You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Hello. Well, I'm Chris, and I'm married to Ian, who's one of the elders here at Hope. We have three children now. We've been married for 31 years. We've got Matt, Josh, and Megan. We've been foster carers for 10 years now. So we've been a temporary mum and dad to eight newborn babies and a few older children as well. So today's Mother's Day, if you haven't noticed, and I want to honour all mums here today because you do a great job. We often think that motherhood will be all peace and calm and bliss, and then we soon discover that reality is a bit more like crowd control at times. So today Tom asked me to speak on what motherhood has taught me about God. Well, firstly, I know this can be a difficult day for many people for different reasons. So thank you for being here today, if that's you. And I believe that God's got something for you today. I want to focus today on God and his nature, really. So hopefully it's good for all of us, not just the mums here. We haven't got just one passage. I'm going to be flitting around the Bible. But hopefully all the verses will appear on the screen. I'm going to start at the beginning in Genesis So Genesis 1, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So the word man here refers to mankind. And Genesis, throughout Genesis, it teaches us that men and women are equally made in God's image. God's a spirit, but both men and women will reflect different aspects of his nature. People often say, don't they, about our children, oh, doesn't he or she look like you? And so each of our nature, we should be looking like God. In James 1, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So for all of us, everything good in our nature is coming from God whether we're mum or not, whether we're male, whether we're female, we should be reflecting God's nature and aiming to grow more like him in every area of our lives. So a good mother's heart is also a reflection of God's nature. It's not just to do with giving birth to children physically. Uh, You can be a spiritual mum at any age, and I've had lots of spiritual mothers through the years who I'm very grateful for got one of them here today. Where's Margaret? Margaret Ramsey, thank you. (laughs) Thankful for my own birth mum. She's my lovely mum too. Um, And fostering has also shown me that you can love and mother children who are not your own. So I've been thinking about this title and wondering what has motherhood taught me about God's nature? And as I prayed, I felt God highlight four main areas Um, They are joy and delight, nurture, unconditional love and sacrifice. So I'm just going to go through those and start in with joy and delight. Well, I can remember the overwhelming feeling of joy when each of my children was born as if it was yesterday. So obviously every child is special, but for me, Matt was my first first baby, so I was a bit clueless and... um, didn't know what to expect. I had the most hideous labour that went on for days and 
um, thought it would never end. And then this perfect baby's put in your arms and everything's forgotten. All that, all that pain. <laughs> and then after, after Matt, we had a, a miscarriage for our second baby. Um, I was about three months pregnant and it was a complete shock and uh, so painful. Such a painful time. I can remember Ian driving off to work after it happened and uh, just turning around and coming home again because <clears throat> it was uh, just a lot of pain. Um, and then along came Josh. So, of course, he was very precious after having that pain. And, and when Josh was born, he had the cord wrapped around his neck twice. And, and they normally pick up on things like that, but because it was so tight into his neck, he, they, they'd missed it. And at the end, there was a lot of panic and doctors flying in, midwives are everywhere. And um, I just remember him coming out. He was purple. He didn't look like a baby. He was covered in all the membranes, and um, they, there was no cry, and they rushed him off to the oxygen. And um, I just remember panicking and asking, is he going to be okay, is he going to be okay? And nobody answering me. And uh, so there was that horrible moment. And then he cried, and, uh, and the joy of that was just amazing. And to hold him was fantastic. And then along came Megan... Well, for some reason, she took a while to appear. Um, so again, she was very precious. And I just expected a boy. I already had a house full of boys, football mad already, matching West Ham shirts. And um, so it was very special for me to have a little, a little girl when she arrived. And I do remember asking the nurses just to double check and have a look and make sure <laughs> it wasn't going to be uh, turning around and telling me it was a boy. Um, and this little blonde, this blonde little girl, she was covered in blonde hair from the start. And um, I remember ringing my mum from the hospital to tell her, and we both were crying. <laughs> so that was a special moment. And then as our children grow up, they bring us such joy, don't they? Seeing their first steps and their smiles, the little things they say. We delight in all their achievements, riding a bike, going to their school shows, watching their sports and seeing all their personalities and giftings coming across, it, it, they just bring us so much joy. And when they give us little hugs and kisses and make us nice things at school, <laughs> that's all lovely. But I believe that God wants to remind us all today, and we've had it through the, the songs this morning, that, um, that he delights over us in the same way that we delight over our children. In Zephaniah 3, it says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. So let's just think about that. He looks on us with such tenderness, and we bring him joy. That same joy that you know I had and that you have for your children is just nothing compared to what God thinks of you. It's just amazing that the God who made the universe delights in us and that he loves you, but not only that, he likes you. He made you and you make him smile. So we each need to know this for ourselves because it gives us a sense of our secure identity in him. But, you know, sometimes we can find it hard to understand that, to understand that God rejoices and sings about us. Maybe other people, we can understand that, but maybe not for us. 
we can struggle to feel that God accepts us, let alone delights in us at times. So if anyone's feeling that today, I think that God wants to come alongside and say, just come and receive that again. Or maybe for the first time, maybe you didn't ever realize that God sang over you. Just come. God wants you to come and receive that today. And at the end, we're going to have a a prayer team in the corner here, and we're going to have a time of just receiving. So if you want to come and receive that, and we'll do that later. Also, we want to be children that show our love to God, and we want to bring him that delight in the way we live for him. So let's make this our aim, not out of guilt, because we must do it, or because we want to get our prayers answered, but because we just love God and we want to bless his heart. The second thing motherhood has taught me about God is nurture. So although it's not just mums who nurture, this is what we traditionally think of as the role of a mother. So for children, it will include feeding them well, keeping them safe, teaching them, setting good boundaries, cheering them on, fighting for them, and encouraging their giftings. We hold them when they're hurting. We pick them up when they're down. It's about doing the little things that please them, like making the right birthday cakes, Batman or the unicorns or whatever they're into at the time. So it's a big job, nurture. And I've just been reading... I've got my books down here. I can't bend. I've been reading this book called Nurture, funnily enough, by Lisa Bevere. And I just wanted to share a couple of things from it. I'm going to quote a bit from the book. She says, Any mother with more than one child understands that they are all different. They are uniquely crafted and formed for the glory of God, which is waiting to be revealed through their individual packages. There is freedom for both mother and child when we stop trying to make our children conform to an image. They will all learn differently, love differently, and even obey differently. We are to create an environment that encourages them to realize their full potential. So nurture is not a one-way-fits-all. It's specific to each person to bring out the best that God has for them and in them. So I know from my own children, they have been loved and brought up the same. And yet they are each completely different personalities. And different things bless and encourage each one of them. In Psalm 139, it says, We are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. He knows each one of us inside out. And he deals with us, each one, as precious sons and daughters. So uh, let's not get caught up comparing ourselves with others or how we think God's treating them. Just let's come to him as we are and ask him to teach us and lead us into all the things he has just for us. Also in this book, Lisa talks about the difference between a mentor and a mother. And I just want to read what she says about that. Mentors tend to reproduce themselves, but mothers want more for their sons and daughters than they ever had themselves. Mentors encourage others to follow their lead by way of their example, but mothers don't necessarily want their daughters to always look and act like them. Amen. With each of my children, I prayed for a new and vastly improved version of myself. 
That's so true. Mothers want more from the, for their children than they have. They want to spare them their mistakes. They want to pass on for free what they've worked hard to learn and achieve and what maybe cost them a lot to learn as well. But nurture is not just for children. We all need nurture. We need to be nurtured and we can all nurture someone else. Men and women here, we can all help someone grow in God. Nurturing people causes others to flourish. It takes them beyond our best. It wants more for them than we have. It wants the ceiling of our achievements to be the floor of theirs so that they go higher than us. And amazingly, all through the Bible, God shows his heart to nurture us. In Isaiah 40, it says, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Even though God is so mighty, his reward is to love and to nurture us. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to be all that he made us to be. Uh, My daughter Megan is studying psychology, so I know that there are many scientific studies now to show that good nurture is vital from birth for children to grow up healthily, both physically and mentally. As a foster carer, we're taught the importance of good attachment. And if babies miss this, then it can cause lots of issues for them later in life. One of the best ways to build that attachment in babies is good eye contact and lots of eye contact. Um, There's an old song which says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. In Exodus, we see how Moses met with God and he used to speak to him. And it says face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And then after he left God's presence, everyone could see Moses' face shining. That's amazing. And yet... Now, because of Jesus, we can meet with God like this whenever we like. We are so privileged. We don't need to go to the Holy of Holies like Moses did. There's no restricted access into his presence. We can just come freely to him. When Jesus lived on earth, he made it priority to draw aside and be able to speak to his father. How much more then do we need that? We can't just rely on other people doing it for us. We each have to spend time on our own, one-to-one with God, to allow him to nurture us so we can grow and mature. And when we do this, just like Moses, we will be changed to be more like him, and others will see it. We'll reflect his nature in how we are. The third thing motherhood has taught me about God is unconditional love. Being a mum brings challenging times as well. From birth, mums have thoughts, prayers and dreams of how their children's lives will be. But things don't always go to our plan. 
As we've already seen, our children may have different personalities or interests to us. We may be very sporty and they're not. We may be very academic and they're not, or vice versa. They may be completely opposite to us in lots of ways. And we may struggle to understand them at times. (laughs) Or our children may be born with illnesses or disabilities that we would never choose and we find hard to understand. This is so tough. Andrew and Rachel Wilson have two children with severe autism and they've written a a brilliant book on parenting children with special needs called The Life You Never Expected. I recommend that for any any parent, really, not just ones with special needs. It's so good. And I just wanted to read something from that book. Rachel writes... The eye-wincing truth is that I had imagined my mission field might be a brothel of trafficked women or a schoolyard of African orphans. I thought the sacrifices would be more obvious and profiled and the harvest more tangible than they are. Yes, I left my family and home comforts behind. I imagined telling a BBC correspondent. But curing Ebola was worth it. Somehow, raising children with special needs doesn't have quite the same ring to it. But the Lord is my shepherd, and for some reason, he has led me to this field rather than that one. This mission field, with these two beautiful, bottomless wells, who require all of my energy, strength, and patience. We can all feel like this at times, can't we? That what we're doing is not significant. But Rachel goes on to say how she's discovered that God has different values and priorities to us. How we live might look different to what we expected, but it's not less important to God. Jesus says in Matthew 6, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Nothing good any of us do, even in secret, is missed by God. And he will reward. That's your promise. Then, as they get older, our children may make choices that we don't want or we don't approve of. They may rebel or they may reject us or they may reject our wishes and may go their own way. And any of these things can hurt and they can cause mums to feel pain, hopelessness and guilt. What do we do with that? We need to remember whose children they are. God created them and they were his first. He knows them and he loves them better than we do. We need to hand control over to him. Something I struggle with. (laughs) His plan for them may be very different to ours. We need to pray and keep on praying. We tell God how we feel and receive his comfort daily. You can pour out your heart to him like David did in the Psalms, in secret places. We need to pray with others that we trust. And we speak out God's promises over our children. And we ask God to help us love them more. God is love and he says if you need anything, you ask him and he'll give it to you. 
God understands this type of hurt completely. The whole Bible is a testimony of God loving his children, even when that love is not returned. We read his pain in Hosea. He says this in Hosea 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. And yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I had healed them. So in these verses, we see just how much God's hurt because his loved children, and that includes us, choose not to follow him again and again. And yet he never stops loving us. And again, we were hearing that earlier in the uh, sharing time. In Later in Hosea, he says this, Hosea 14, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. This term, we've been uh, doing a Home for Good Life group, which has um, been looking at fostering and adoption, and God's heart for all his children. And I just uh, want to read from this book, that Krish Kandaya has written, because I think he, he's summed up, really, God's unconditional love in this, in this little passage. I think this should appear. God did not stay away from us, despite knowing that we would fail him and betray him time and again. Despite the heartache that came with the relationship with us, God poured his love and forgiveness into our lives. God sees past the rebellion and the betrayal and the heartache, to the potential. And instead of holding back on his love, he pours even more into the relationship. This is the grace each one of us has received. This is the grace each one of us has the power to pass on. Over the last few weeks and months, we've been working through Corinthians, and uh, we've heard a lot from Tom and Tim about God's unconditional love for us. So I recommend if you missed any of those, just go back and listen to the podcasts. God's love doesn't depend on us, how we look, behave, or perform. He just loves us unconditionally. And we all need to be reflecting that in unconditional love for other people. But not not just mums and children, but all of us. And it can be hard at times, especially to keep doing it when it's not returned. But there's no limit to God's love as there sometimes is with ours. So if we need more unconditional love for anyone in our lives, we can come to God and ask him to help us. So my final point is, uh, was sacrifice. That's not a very nice word, is it? But um, with a baby, the first thing a mum learns to sacrifice is sleep, and then closely followed by personal space, And free time. You learn how to have a shower at speed while singing the wheels on the bus to a baby just outside watching you in a chair. And you learn to do many jobs one-handed. But seriously, though, mums will always put their child's needs first. They will often give up their own dreams or jobs or careers or hobbies for their children. And mum's thoughts are constantly on their children and nothing will upset their peace more than when their children are hurting or suffering. It can be easy to feel alone at times, to feel that no one understands, 
to feel overwhelmed and the sacrifice is unnoticed. But God says this in Hebrews, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown his name. And Tom reminded us of this a couple of weeks ago. He said that nothing we do for God is in vain. It is an investment in eternity. Nothing we sacrifice is missed by God. Even when others never see or know about it, he sees and he knows. But more than this, God understands how we feel. In Hebrews 4 it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit understand our feelings. Because Jesus came and lived in the world, he suffered like we did. So we can come boldly. We can be like a child climbing onto his father's lap. We can bring to him everything we're struggling with. And we can speak straight into his ear. As we approach Easter, we remember that this sacrificial love comes first from God. He freely gave Jesus, his only son, for us. He took the punishment we deserved. We read in Hebrews 12, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How God's heart must have broken to see Jesus suffer the pain and the shame of the cross. You know, as a parent, we'd rather go through anything ourselves than watch our children go through it. How, what pain that must have been. And yet, in these verse, verses, God says it was worth it because of the joy of redeeming us. So redeeming means to, to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. And we were again hearing that earlier, weren't we, when we were singing. There's a cost involved in redeeming something. And there was a huge cost to God to buy us back. It was the biggest sacrifice. We were lost, but God paid the price for us with joy. He says we were worth the sacrifice. And he also says it's finished. It's paid in full. Jesus has stamped that over each one of us. Um, we just need to come to him and receive it. We don't need to do anything else. And it says in those verses, he's seated, he sat down, it's finished, and he's reigning. So he has power. He's reigning and he's in heaven now. And um, no sacrifice we make is bigger than what Jesus gave for us, what God gave for us. And he's got that power to hear and respond to everything that we need. So if, uh, if you don't yet know this God who rejoices over you with singing, who nurtures you, who loves you unconditionally, and who gave himself as a sacrifice for you, then come to him today. He is waiting with open arms, and we were again singing that earlier. Jesus is calling. Or maybe 
you know all this already, but you just need reminding today. Let your heart open to receive it again. I'll just pray, and I'm just going to hand over to Tom. Father, I just thank you that your love for us is so huge. I thank you, God, that you have the perfect heart of a father and the perfect heart of a mother, Lord. There's nothing that... uh, surprises you about us because we are just fearfully and wonderfully made by you <laughs> father we thank you that um that you rejoice over us with singing yes. we thank you lord that you nurture and love us and want us to be all that you made us to be we thank you god that you love us as we are unconditionally even in our rebellion sometimes lord you love us and thank you most of all lord jesus that you sacrificed yourself for us you brought us back lord you you've paid the price thank you that now we are free to be yours so this uh today lord i just pray that you'll touch people's hearts and cause them to to know this deep in their hearts again in jesus name amen thank you for listening to audio from hope church ipswich please feel free to make a copy of this content but please do not edit the content in any